Welcome to the podcast, Running and Obstacle Race Training, and I'm your host, Jeff Bennett. I run a fitness blog called runninmud.blogspot.com, and I have been running obstacle races and running races hard for years. I thank God for my health and the 22 years of physical training that the Army has brought to me. Now, after retiring years ago, I still have to stay in shape. We're also glad you're here and hope that these fitness conversations will keep you motivated. Running an Obstacle Race Training is brought to you by Red Bike Publishing. We are a niche publisher looking for new authors. We have some fitness books and security books and self-help books, so come by our website and visit at www.redbikepublishing.com. And also brought to you by Mission Driven Research. We exist to glorify God by providing excellent support to our customers, treating employees better in every way, empowering employees to serve their neighbors in a radical way, and direct a minimum of 10% of all profits to support missions activities through our partnership with Mission Driven Research. Today we're interviewing Alex Leviton of KangaroePro.us. This will be a conversation about calisthenics and body weight exercise that you should incorporate into your running and obstacle race training. I met Alex last year when I was looking towards building a calisthenics park in my community. After securing loans, or not loans, but after securing funding, I looked high and low for somebody to provide fitness equipment for our park that adults could use and had problems finding it. They exist everywhere on the internet, and I've done some research, asked a lot of questions, but just could not find who to buy this equipment from. So finally, I contacted Kangaroo Pro online, and next thing I know, I get an email from Alex. Uh, Kangaroo Pro is not a U.S. company, but Alex is the distributor for the United States, and after speaking with him, he helped us get up set up with our park. And after purchasing the park, he came down over Memorial Day weekend, and me, him, and his crew of three other people dug holes and worked all that entire three-day weekend to get this equipment established in our community, and we are so happy to be here. And uh, thank you, Alex, for making that possible, and Jimmy uh, for helping with the installation. Uh, welcome to another episode of Running and Obstacle Race Training with your host, Jeff Bennett. Well, thanks, Alex, and thank you, everybody, for joining us today for our episode. And today we're doing something different. We are talking with my buddy Alex, and he, was, he is with Kangaroo Pro, and he's going to tell us a little bit about the equipment. And then we're going to talk about how it might apply to obstacle course racers and possibly maybe even the running public in general. Um, so tell us a little bit about what Kangaroo Pro is and your affiliation with them, Alex, and how you got started. Um, well, I would just say I'm, I'm an enthusiast um, in fitness, um, been a lot of different disciplines, um, cross-country racing, uh, weightlifting, TRX, uh, CrossFit, lot, you know, just dabbling in, the, in, in fitness as an enthusiast. Um, and about, I would say about seven and a half years ago now, a friend and I were just, you know, browsing YouTube and we saw some interesting videos of people doing, um, unconventional or what we'd call non-traditional workouts on, you know, parallel bars and pull-up bars. And we just kind of went out in the park, tried to mimic what we saw. 
and sent the company that we saw overseas an email saying, why don't you guys come to the U.S.? Um, fast forward about, you know, uh, about five and a half years later, I'm noticing the chairman of the, of the company, um, who I'm friends with on social media, happens to be, you know, flying into my home state. So I asked him what he was doing here. He said he had a convention um, for Kangaroo Pro and that they were trying to open up the U.S. market. Um, I met them at the hotel um, and we got ready to set up a booth. Unfortunately, because some of the language barriers, they, they weren't ready. Uh, they would not let them in the convention hall. So I kind of took the lead. We had a really good convention. We connected with a lot of people. Um, and that turned into them inviting me to a national convention to run the convention. At the end of that convention, they basically offered me um, full control of, uh, of the United States um, and other parts of North America. Um, so it's been very exciting to take something that I've been passionate about on a very grassroots level um, to the mainstream and Americanizing it. Okay. Well, um, for our audience that may not be familiar with it, um, you're obviously not just talking about doing dips and pull-ups on these, on this equipment. No, we're talking about doing some, um, some moves that you may see in gymnastics. The best way to define street workout, it's a mixture of outdoor basics, basic fitness and, uh, gymnastics. So we would call it maybe urban gymnastics is, is a good, um, is a good definition for street workout. Um, but what these people are doing is they're doing human flags. Um, they're doing um, muscle ups. They're doing aerials, uh, which, you know, there's part of the community that believes in just sets and the other part that believes in doing a lot of this really interesting uh, movement that you would really only see on TV when you're watching, uh, again, gymnastics. But when you see it in this environment, um, it's, a, it's a little different because the bars don't flex. They don't have chalk on their hands. Um, and this isn't specialized gymnastic equipment. Right. And typically don't have mats under your feet, do you? Um, no. I mean, some parks, you know, they opt to build um, safety surfacing, but it, it, that's nothing compared to a foam pit. Yeah. So um, when I first contacted you, uh, speaking of home, foam pits, I was doing, uh, I went to Ninja Obstacle Academy. I said, yeah, we'd like to get this and maybe you do some Ninja Obstacle stuff. And you corrected me saying, well, these workouts are even more different than the ninja workout activities. And I wanted to kind of describe that difference to maybe give our audience another thing to look at. Uh, you mentioned earlier CrossFit and some other types of exercises, which in the OCR community, we have all, many of us have done CrossFit. We've done ninja training and we've done weightlifting and, of course, a lot of running. But maybe we haven't done what you're talking about. Um, can you explain another way that differs from maybe possibly ninja training? Yeah, absolutely. So with with ninja training, um, a lot of the time, you know, you have different holds and fittings, um, sometimes moving pieces, components. Um, so it requires you to always be um, not always, but you're, you're basically jumping between a plyometric movement. Um, and then trying to hold an isometric movement until your next plyometric, which is typically what you're going to see um, in ninja obstacle racing. What you're seeing mostly with street workout is you're seeing um, a lot of static movements, which are typically isometric. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the super advanced levels, 
you know, you get into some more plyometrics. So what your the benefits are, are really um, you know, strengthening your hands, strengthening your tendons, um, building that flexibility um, to handle a lot of those uh, plyometrics with the the movement of those statics working up to it. Okay, so you mentioned like working up to it. Um, there's obviously some things that I'm working on I can't do. I can't hold a front lever more than a quarter of a second. Um, th- these are some of the workouts, front levers. Um, I can't hold a human flag at all. And so um, you said working up to it. And I've heard the term used before, which was uh, called, um, oh, I can't remember. What is another word for working up to it? Well, uh, you said- we would call it progressions. Progressions, uh, yes. That's it. Yeah. So we would call this progression. So example with, a, you know, a body lever, somebody would normally start with like an elastic band. They would wrap it over the bar, put their feet between it, and then they would do what are basically try to do the lever while doing an upward, um, basically hip thrust and trying to hold it for, you know, a tenth of a second, a twentieth of a second, continuing to do that. Um, you only do these, these exercises, static movements, you'll do them for five to 15 minutes where you basically just try to hold yourself in a position, knowing that you're not going to be able to hold it, but knowing that you're working towards it. Um, and so every time it becomes, it becomes quantitative. So, you know, one, one day you're only able to hold, you know, um, a fifth of a second next day, it's, you know, it's half of a second, you know, the next week it's one second. Um, and you know, this is one of those moves that's actually determined the strength of this movement is determined by the duration you hold it. So just being able to, to even hold it for half a second or a split second is still achieving the movement, but now you're progressing to holding it longer. Gotcha. Um, which, which I need to go back to the progressive stuff because I tend to want to leap right into it and therefore I can't hold it for more than a quarter of a second. Correct. So what happens is when you go to do it, you almost get discouraged because you're like, well, I didn't do it. Um, but that's actually exactly the purpose here. So um, example, you know, with human flags, just like you said, most of what that is, is just um, conditioning your, you know, your shoulders and your tendons to be able to support your body in that movement because your body's not used to doing that movement. Um, this is, you know, it's, it's like climbing trees, right? Like we don't climb trees. Um, so it's, if we're not used to it, it's, it's going to make us sore. Um, right. so everything has a, uh, these progressions, you know, some people will start instead of an L sit, you're just bringing your knees up, you know, um, and you get to that point, or you go out there with a person and you try to hold an L sit, but you know, it's going to fall. And the other person just gives you a little bit of, a little bit of lift until you, until you, until you start to fall. And that just helps you build up to the next time where you, now you can hold it a little bit longer. Um, so yeah, just progressing really. So is there, um, a place that you could recommend that somebody can go or study to get some of these progression exercises? Oh yeah. They want to improve? Oh, okay. Absolutely. Um, you know, you have, um, a lot of different groups out there, some that are trying to monetize it, some that, that are not, um, reaching directly out to some of these people on social media. sometimes is the best way to get that personal insight sometimes, but really just to get the training and, and a resource, you know, there's places like madbars.com, M-A-D-B-A-R-Z.com. Um, I know that they have some training, um, some training regimens that they offer. They're mostly in the form of written. 
you have some YouTube out there with uh, Thenx, T-H-E-N-X. Um, and I believe Chris Heria is the one who runs that organization. You have Bar Stars, uh, which I believe ends with, is it two or three Zs, Jeff? I think it's two or three. <laughs> Try two. Try one. Two and then they'll get <laughs> And Ed Checo, um, who from New York has been a part of that organization for a while. Um, but really just do a YouTube video of, if you want to say muscle up progressions, um, LSIT progressions. Another one of my favorite guys is a yoga calisthenics guy. His name is Gabo Saturno, um, known as Saturno movement. Um, it's basically like Saturn with an O at the end. Um, but these are just guys that I'm familiar with. I, I believe that, you know, quick YouTube search of just the specific movement you're looking for. You're going to get a lot of experts. Um, in this field, this is the fastest growing segment in fitness right now in the world. Um, body weight fitness is, is I believe, up from seventh or eighth uh, five years ago to now being the number three trend um, in fitness in the world right now. So it's a very exciting time. But, you know, that doesn't just involve calisthenics. That's just all body weight fitness. So body weight fitness is whether it's somebody doing um, uh yoga or it's somebody that's doing um trx as long as they're supporting their own body weight that seems to be the biggest movement right now i believe in the beginning when people started doing fitness you know they they had a lot of diagrams you would get in a machine right um and there'd be a diagram and you would just say okay now i know what to do with the diagrams here in today's time in 2019 i think people think that's a little bit too linear and there's so much information out there it allows people to be a little more free and open with their fitness, which everybody's looking for their own unique fitness that is catered to them. And I feel like body weight fitness has the, um, it has the cult following of CrossFit with the mentality of yoga. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, you know, in obstacle course racing, you know, we may not have to do a planche or am I saying that right? Or a lever or anything like that, but we might have to negotiate around a way around something called Sawtooth, which shows up in Savage Race, which is a multi-level um, uh, monkey bar apparatus, or Twirly Bird, which is rings and um, elastic bands that you have to grip on. Uh, basically, um, Spartan Race has a couple of uh, multi-rigs and... Um, requires a lot of hand strength and you mentioned hand strength grip strength and you mentioned um strengthening um i guess the soft tissues around elbows and shoulders um, yeah yeah exactly yeah um so a lot of times you know we think about gripping something we just think oh we'll put my hands around it we grip it um but there's there's the false grip there's a regular grip there's a reverse grip there's neutral grip um so there's a lot of different grips that we have Right. And different movements require different grips. And remember when I was um, mentioning how in um, ninja racing or obstacle racing, you're kind of jumping between the isometric and the plyometric movement. Um, and what really what really kills you in between, it's not getting the plyometric for a lot of these people that are doing these races. Um, the issue seems to be once they've done the plyometric and now they have to they have to hold on to the next hold to prepare their body for the next explosive movement. What this is going to do is build up, it's going to condition your body to build up less lactic acid during those static movements because your body will be well conditioned to it. So it should make those in between, in between each plyometric, it should make those static holds feel a lot more like butter. 
Ah, okay. Yeah, because uh, one of the things that gets me is I'm wondering, do I need to learn to run faster in these obstacle races or do I need to grip better than these obstacle races? But either way, you're trying to do some gripping exercise with your heart rate at 180 beats per minute. <laughs> and and it's not so easy as it is just walking up to a bar and doing pull-ups. Uh, no. add, adding yeah, in the... Yeah. 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 So adding in the um, what you're talking about is uh, being ready to grip them in any environment that you're in, I guess, whether you're you're, you're racing at 180 beats per minute or if you're just uh, grabbing something for the first time dry. But there's always different results. Correct. Correct. So um, the biggest thing yeah, is, is just conditioning the hands, really. Um, you know, you said your beat, you know, your heart rate's really high. The most important thing is control. Control is king at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I can, if I have a lot of control, well, now the next explosive movement takes a lot less energy. Gotcha, gotcha. So, for example, reaching for that next bar, or do I taper off my run and, and walk up to the obstacle, or can I run right up to it and jump on and 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 catch that horizontal bar? Oh, I, I don't think you need to slow your roll at all. Um, I think that, um, you know, that's, you know, obviously speed is important, um, but control and speed together is what is what wins races. Um, and so I think having that hand control, that grip strength that is going to come in, come into play in every environment, um, that's going to make it so you can pass to the next obstacle faster. Yeah. Okay. So um, maybe... Um... A good example of that. I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I did a. Uh, I actually did um, buy a Bar Stars workout, and what I noticed about their workouts, they're like doing skin the cat for 45 seconds, five sets. So I'm working on skin the cat. You're hanging from a bar, and you bring your legs b- between your arms and over so that you're hanging from the bar with your feet over your head. Skin the cat. I'm describing that a little bit, but I guess the point I'm getting to is you're doing these repetitive exercises. Yeah, you're doing a V sit, bringing your legs between your arms beneath the bar until your body is inverted where your feet are hanging. Yeah. So while you're doing that, you know your abs are suffering, your um, arms are singing a little bit, but five sets of or three sets of 45 seconds each, you're also hanging and improving your grip strength. Yeah, but, you know, and, and it's not just the grip strength. You know, I, I find that um, with a lot of guys, and I've, I've, I've done the Spartan, I've done the, the Savage Race, and um, one thing that I've noticed is that, again, when, when it comes to grip strength, everybody's always thinking about grip strength, grip strength. One thing that people aren't thinking about is tendon flexibility. Ah, okay. So, you know, we were talking about the human flag. Right. Uh, if you can do a human flag on both sides, either on your, in, both on your left and your right side, that means your shoulders now can support something. If you get in a sticky situation where you lose one hand and you're just hanging from that one shoulder, well, you've really built up that strength of the human flag because nothing really is going to build those bolder shoulders like a human flag. Hmm. Uh, you know, and at the same time, it's stretching out the tendon in a way that your body is not used to. So now when you put your body in that compromising situation, it can handle it. Um, another big issue, um, is, is a lot of people, you know, their, their elbows, they develop elbows, uh, pains, they develop wrist pains. 
um, that's because they're not keeping an active wrist. You know, by keeping an active wrist during all of these things, by engaging your fingers, keeping an active wrist, now you're strengthening those tendons. Um, by performing, you know, dips in the right manner, you're strengthening the tendons there. Um, you know, by doing pistol squats, um, you're strengthening the tendons because you're, you're doing a, flex, a flexibility isometric um, movement. Um, you know, that requires a little plyo just to get up, but, you know, it's, um, it's really strengthening those tendons to put yourself in compromising situations. Cause once you've got the, if you've got the grip strength and the tendon flexibility, um, there really shouldn't be too much in your way. Right. Well, well, that's a good way to put it. I didn't, and I, and I didn't realize after knowing you this amount of time, uh, we never, uh, talked about um, your involvement with uh, obstacle racing, and so I didn't realize that you had done all that. And so those are good examples of uh, what tendon flexibility is and how it can help, what additional grip strength is, how it can help, how to do control um, while you're running really fast and how to control yourself so that you can grasp something and have confidence that you're going to hold on to it for a while. Yeah. You ever, you know, you grab one plastic ball, you swing to go grab the next heart, you know, plastic ball taken from that little chain. Right. Mm. And then you miss it on the swing. So now you swing back. Right. But now your, your tendon in your shoulder can handle that, that really, really hard movement. And now you can swing your body back and grab that next hold. Whereas maybe if you didn't grab that next hold by missing it, now you're going to fall. That's that's exactly right, and I've been on the ground so many times. <laughs> you know, in Spartan, when you hit the ground, you're doing uh, thirty burpees. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna pay for it pretty bad. Something <laughs> <laughs> should have taken you ten seconds now takes you four minutes. It's all in good spirits. That's exactly right. Wow. So, um, huh. so you know, you you came up and you and you built our. Um, we've got a what I would call a pretty elaborate um, calisthenics park. Um, but, you know, we have monkey bars, we have parallel bars, we have um, pull-up bars, we have a Swedish ladder, um, we, we have a bench and multi-level bars. But uh, before I'm here, you're saying you, you probably don't need all that. You can do um, something more minimalist uh, and, and still get these kind of exercises. Yeah, at the end of the day, all you really need is a parallel, a set of parallels, um, and a pull-up bar. Okay. Um, you know, if you don't have a Swedish ladder, Swedish wall, you know, you can always just basically um, you can look for other places to human flag. Um, it doesn't it doesn't always have to be there. A lot of these viral social media guys that are that are in this, they they kind of they love posting pictures of them doing these movements in. Um, and non-fitness environments. So it's, it, it's pretty fascinating. You'll see somebody holding onto a street light uh, post doing a human flag um, or a stop sign. So it's, yes. it, so really what happens is, is once you start to excel or, or just even fall in love with this just a little bit, you'll find yourself planching off of rocks on a trail. You'll find yourself trying to do a lever off of a, a, a tree limb you know, you'll find yourself trying to do a human flag off of, you know, a stop sign. Um, what happens is with, with this form of fitness, the world really does become your playground. That's right. And if, 
well, if I can't do something within next year after uh, you build in our park, um, that's my own fault. And I'm looking forward to being able to go on a trail run and do some of these uh, moves on, on what's what's natural out there. They make great Instagram photos, too, I must say. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. And, and the nice thing is it's also a great, a great place to stretch out. Um, you know, we've, we've built these, um, along truck stops just for truckers to get out and stretch. Um, yeah, stretching is, is a big thing of, you know, a body in motion stays in motion for a lot of people. If if they can only do half a pull up, that's just, you know, that's, that's the same, you know, that's trying. Um, so, but for a lot of people, you know, it starts out with these bars, they might just start there. They might come there just to stretch. Um, Mm -hmm. next thing we're doing basic movements and then it progresses into something else. Okay. Um, well, um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about um, where some of your parks might be located that you've had actually helped build in, here in North America. Uh, um, so right now, um, the we have your park is the first park that is actually open uh, to the public, um, but we have several other private parks, which I'll get into after um, in a second after I get into what's going on with these public parks. Um, so you're the first public park um, that's that's open. We are going to be opening up the Oregon park um, that's in what's called, it's a city called Dales, D-A-L-L-E-S. Uh, it's a city in Oregon. Um, they'll be opening a park in about a month from now. Oh, okay. Um, we have a very large park that is, um, the target open date for it is July 1st. That is going to be at University of California, San Diego, La Jolla campus. It is a European size fitness court. So it will be um, quadruple the size of what we would traditionally see. So there will probably be about 15 to 20 uh, pieces there. Um, And they are investing in safety surfacing. Um, Those are the public parks. We have um, some other ones we're working on in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, um, Dallas, Texas, um, Las Vegas, um, Franklin Park up in Illinois. So we're working on with a few different projects that we haven't that we haven't secured 100% yet, but we're looking forward to. On the private side, we have dealt with the military. Uh, we have three installations at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Uh, we have two gyms that are um, gyms that you can sign up and go to. Um, one is called the Bodicon Academy. It's in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. We have another um, fitness park that we built in uh, Rockland County called Get Bear Fit. Um, and that is, a, it's the largest indoor uh, calisthenics rig, um, I believe, in, in the States. We have um, a private gym that we built for Calisthenics Revolution, which is Claudio Giannotti. It is a private studio. You have to contact him to work out there. That's in South Florida. Uh, We built a backyard for um, a customer of ours named Mark um, out in uh, California. And we've done two other backyards for people that I I cannot, um, that I can't publicly bring up. But um, yeah, so we're, we're excited. This is only 18 months into being in the United States. So we're Extremely excited to really have covered most segments. The other exciting segment we deal in um, is is competitions. So we are involved with anywhere from three um, to four competitions in the United States. We have one um, actually in two days in Miami. Um, we have another one on the 22nd in um, at the gym that I just mentioned, Get Bare Fit. 
So we're not just involved in building the parks, we're involved in the community, um, we're involved in the competitions. Um, and that's how, and that's really how, how we're um, really looking to, to, to start this as a grassroots thing, no matter where we do it. Yeah. Well, um, well, yeah, thanks for that. Um, lead into <laughs> what's that i said i hope i wasn't too long-winded uh, no so. no that, that's fine because i was going to ask you uh, i was going to just say one more thing about that is um mm -hmm. when i wanted to build this park and um did not know how to do it I, our county commissioner said that he would help us out with it and so i did an internet search and i think i told you um i found parks that had exercise equipment in it, but nobody knew how they got there. It was just a subcontractor who did landscaping, contacted another subcontractor who set some playground equipment. But it wasn't until I got in touch with you that uh, I realized, you know, I think Europe and Korea have this thing down or Eurasia. Um, they have this thing down because they have parks everywhere and everybody comments on, oh, we'd like, we'd wish we had parks like they have in Europe and in Asia, but, um, it's not intuitive here. So where would somebody begin if they wanted to contact you or, or get some equipment like you have? How would they get it set up? Um, well, the, be the best thing to do is, is, just, is, is really just to reach out. Um, I'm a resource for information. Um, you know, and my goal is to, is to really just help um, connect whoever it is that's trying to build a park with the right information or the right officials that they need to talk to um, to make something happen. A lot of times when people reach out, I, the first thing I say is, oh, do you know the mayor? Do you know a commissioner? Do you know somebody that's involved in politics? Um, because that's how these grants and these loans for, for parks are, are, are done. They're done through, um, you know, through, um, um, through politics. So they, they're government bids. And um, typically, if it's a grassroots, um, you know, movement, whoever wants to build whatever park and whatever community they want to build, if they, if they believe they can build it, they can build it. Um, all they have to do is just go through the process. It's not, everybody thinks it's so daunting. It, it really isn't. Um, you know, politicians, they, they want to build parks. They want, they want the notoriety and they want the association that comes with it because it's a really positive thing. And they're doing something really positive that maybe somebody else hasn't done or isn't doing. Um, and I think, you know, if you go to your local, um, you know, commissioner, mayor, um, congressman, whoever it is, and you say, you know, Parks and Rec director, if they, if they have that uh, power and say, hey, maybe you could help me. This is a concept, you know, that, that would be very great in this community. And pretty much if you show it to them, they're going to agree with you and they're going to figure out, OK, how can we get this to the next the next the next stage? Um, so I think just believing that can be done, um, reaching out and um, it'll happen. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, it didn't take very long. Like you said, it, it's not a daunting process. The only thing we had against us was the weather, wasn't it? Rain for yeah. months. <laughs> we had that Alabama clay, but. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Three days of digging. But um, I would say it's a relatively quick process. We had all the, from the time I contacted you, the time we had equipment on the ground and delivered. Um, going through all the bidding process and things that take time was uh, 10, 11 months, I think, at, at the most. And it probably could even be faster than that. Correct. Correct. And, and the biggest thing that happens is a lot of times, um, you know, someone will have this idea and they say, oh, well, it's going to take a couple of years. At that point, if someone tells you that you're talking to the wrong person, 
um, because this stuff doesn't take a couple years. Um, it's something that, that, that is needed. It's something that we don't have. Um, and it's something that anybody that, that it's seeing, seeing the presentation the right way would agree that is it's needed. Um, so I feel very strongly that you look at, um, um, a community goes and spends $50,000 on a, on a playground slide that doesn't even include the rest of the playground, just the slide. Um, we're talking about, you know, something that costs five times less than that, you know, and ends up giving you five times more, getting five times more. You look at the bang for buck for, for the community. You talk to city managers, you just talk to people that are just doing the books and you say, Hey, this is the type of, you know, crowd you're looking at getting. This is what you're looking at, how it's going to affect your community. This is going to better your community. I think when people really see the financial aspect of it, it just makes sense to them too. Um, but people have a lot of preconceived notions. This is going to take years and this is going to cost, you know, a quarter of a million dollars, which couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you helping us get ours. And again, like you said, it wasn't difficult. The only thing I had to do was show our commissioner that um, I showed him a different playground varieties based. I'm not playground, but um, calisthenics park varieties based on what you sent me. And I, and we made criteria. It's got to be good for crossfitters, for calisthenics people, for OCR racers, for um, basketball players and baseball players, because we have both facilities nearby and we're hoping they'll work out. And, and we really think those calisthenic workouts will help them improve their baseball and basketball and other performance that or oh, sports that they're involved in without a doubt um if you're um i mean if you're if you're a pitcher and you know you're pitching baseballs you're throwing baseballs you're you're not gonna you're not gonna tear your arm as much um if you're um if you're playing basketball and you're you're a type of person who's an aggressive player that needs to hold on in jams and you need to you need that that ability well you're gonna have that explosive strength and you're not going to damage your hands um you know, wrestlers, it's going to give them that strength in their core. I think it really just resonates. It's going to resonate into every form of fitness that you do. This is not a replacement for what a lot of people are doing. This is an addition to complement whatever it is they're doing. Hey, well, well, it sounds like it. And I'm, again, I'm looking forward to ours catching momentum and um, looking forward to ho hopefully people contacting you and and uh, seeing if they can get some some similar equipment. Um, so let me ask you one last question. Do you have a signature move that you are known for? Yes. Um, I am known to do the one arm plunge. Are you? Yeah. One arm plunge at six foot six. Oh um, my goodness. And I can do, um, a V sit at six foot six. So I would say I have two signature moves, but they're, they're only signature because I'm probably one of the tallest people in the world to do it. <laughs> Yeah. So we're talking about center of gravity. We're talking about extra core strength. Everything yeah. pulled those long limbs in, huh? Yeah. You got it. You got You got a, a, a really long axis of rotation and you've got to balance that huge axis of rotation on something very small. Oh my goodness. Well, congratulations on those moves. I tried to V sit the other day. I can't get past the L sit. So well, I just, I just feel like, like a kid, you know, that's what keeps me doing it. I just, I feel like I'm playing like a kid. Yeah. And that is a lot of fun. Yeah. When you're, when you're, when you're playing, you're not working out, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> so I'm hoping it'll, it'll catch on with more people. It's time to go play. That's what I always like to say. Um, so um, any last thing you'd like to leave us with? 
Um, I would just say, you know, the, the best thing to do is just not be afraid to do a pull-up or a dip, or don't be afraid to not do a pull-up or a dip, because eventually you will. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Alex. Really appreciate you being with us today, and um, hopefully you're open to coming back sometime, especially if I get more questions. Absolutely. I would love that. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks, Alex. Thanks again for joining our podcast, Running an Obstacle Race Training. Again, brought to you by Mission Driven Research and Red Bike Publishing. If you have any questions for me or our guest, please contact us at editor at redbikepublishing.com.